Are you ready right now? How many know the God that we serve is a God that teaches us by repetition? We've learned now in medical science, we've learned now from a brain surgeon, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, that patterns are actually formed in your brain by repetition. They tell you you hear the same thing over and over. This is how communist nations hear things. What do they do? They bring propaganda, and they bring what they want you to know over and over and over and over and over. Come on. Whether you're for the vaccine or against it, it doesn't matter to me at all. But how many know when you hear it constantly, it, it, it's telling you something, and your brain is trying to process information. Okay, God is the same way. God, they learned all this from the Word of God because God put that inside of us. When God repeats himself over and over and he says the same thing, how many know he doesn't just say it to take room? He doesn't say it because he's got nothing else to say. He says it because there's stuff. There's divine revelation and divine understanding behind every word that God says. And the more that I go to the Word of God, the more that I understand the things that got in me from the very beginning when I got born again are still inside me today. Because well, I've kept them repetitiously over and over. I am the righteousness of God. Come on. I'm not becoming righteous. I'm already righteous. I'm not becoming sanctified yet. There's a progression, but I'm already sanctified. And because I am, I can live a sanctified life. These are things that we learn by repetition. Now, here's what I want you to get a hold of today. In the book of Matthew, everybody stand up for a minute. Say, in Matthew. Look at your neighbor, say in Matthew, say in Mark, say in Luke, and say in John. Say again in Matthew, and Mark, and Luke, and Second Peter, it says the same thing. Okay, go ahead and be seated. What is it that it said twice in Matthew? What is it that it said twice in Mark? What is it that it said twice in John? Come on, excuse me, once in John and then once in Peter. What is it? Eight is the number of new beginnings, come on. And for the new beginning for all of us, he said this, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. He says that in Matthew. He says that twice in Matthew, Matthew 3 and Matthew 17. Come on. Remember the transfiguration he said over there when, when the prophet Elijah and Moses were there. How many know the Son of God appeared in the glory of the future? Right or wrong? And when he said, this is my beloved Son and whom I'm well pleased. Now, this is what you need to understand. John the Baptist spoke in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the message of repentance, and in John he said, make straight the pathways, which is repentance. He says it four times also. In the book of Matthew, right afterwards, we see now Jesus is being affirmed. The heavens open up, come on, and the Spirit in bodily appearance descends upon him. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. The Holy Spirit is not oil. The Holy Spirit is not an emblem the Holy Spirit is a person, and the person of the Holy Spirit came in to the Son of God in his baptism. Come on. But here's the point that you need to understand. God was pleased with him, not because of anything he had done. Come on, church. 
And until the church understands this, it's not what you've done for God that God's pleased with you. It's not what you've done for God that made you accepted. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you that has made you accepted and put you in to the household of faith, put you into the family of God by being born again. So many get it backwards. They're always trying to do things to get God's accepted. But you are already accepted because of the blood sacrifice of the Son of God. Now, i got to start the message in a couple minutes there. But, but just to give you some background on this here. As a little boy growing up, I was very rejected from the womb. What do you mean by the womb? When my mama found out she was pregnant with me, she had my sister Grace first. And then my brother Anthony's second. She didn't want any more children. All right? So guess what happened? She got very depressed when she conceived Rick. And my brother's two days shy of a year with me. His birthday's the 13th, mine's the 11th. But two days shy of a year. And when my, my brother was her favorite, come on, all the way through. But so when she got pregnant with me, she did not want to have any more children. So guess what happened? September 11th, along comes Ricky. Okay, I'm born. But there was something inside of me that was missing that people don't understand today, okay, that when a mother is pregnant, that mother, whatever she's going through, whatever she's feeling in that their time frame, it actually goes into the child. So you tell me if there's a lot of yelling in a household when a mother's pregnant, that child that's inside is going to grow up shy. He's going to grow up in fear. She's going to grow up in fear. This is just normal stuff. You, you don't have to read this in Christian, but it's all in psychology, amen? They know this here. And when John the Baptist was there uh, and Mary got together, John was in Elizabeth and Mary was conceiving Jesus. How many know they got together and Mary started singing? And guess what? The baby John started flipping out on the inside. He started spinning around. Read what it says. So, so babies can feel the emotion. So mama has this here pregnancy now. And, 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 and so she didn't want the baby. And guess what? She's got it. And guess what? Now I, I come out of the womb and I'm feeling my whole life like I can never measure up. I feel like my whole life that I, that I can never, I was always compared to my brother Anthony. Anthony was Mr. Perfect. Come on now. He could do no wrong. I got him drunk when I was 14 years of age. And he was just learning to drive. He was 15 just before 16. And so my dad would have him back out the cars. I got him drunk one day, and he actually tore the fence down. Amen? I was the happiest guy on the whole planet. Okay, I'm ashamed to talk about it today. But back in the day, I, Mr. Perfect screwed up. Come on now. And I'm just doing cartwheels on the inside, and I'm the happiest guy because my brother messed up. But when you're compared to someone, listen, competition in comparison, are the power twins of hell. And if you're comparing yourself to this woman out there that's a model, or you're comparing yourself to this man out there that's his hunk or whatever it is, I want to tell you something. You're deceived. That God never said if he wanted you to be like them, he'd have made you like that. But he didn't make you to be somebody else. Because if you're trying to be someone else, the best you can ever be is number two. Amen? And God didn't make you number two. He made you number one. As a matter of fact, when it said, blessed, it said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Listen carefully. The word well pleased means you're his favorite. And it means this, God likes you. 
Did you hear what I just said? We hear all about God's love, but there's a difference between like and there's a difference between love. Come on, I know, listen very good. I know my wife loves me, amen? And I know she likes me most of the time. But there are times she doesn't like me, okay? How many can relate? Come on. God's liking you is not determined on what you've done. His liking you is determined by what Christ did. And that's why this is so important. And, and the Bible says to him that receives the gift of righteousness, he shall reign in this life. Okay, over what? Over one another? Absolutely not. But over the kingdom of darkness. The reason that most Christians are not reigning today, and by the way, the word reigning is speaking of a kingly anointing and a kingly authority upon you. It's speaking something that royalty applies, and I hope to get there in a little while over in 1 Peter chapter 2 in a few moments on we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a special peculiar treasure before God. But in the, me in the meantime, listen very carefully, God's acceptance of his righteousness was because of what Christ did, Amen. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be an offering of sin for Rick that I could be made the righteousness of God. Okay, now here's the fact. Listen to this. Being raised in a Roman Catholic church, I was going to become the pope of the Roman Catholic church. Will you ask me as a little boy when I'm going to be? I'm going to be a priest, but then I'm going to be the pope. And they said, yeah, that's going to really happen. I said, I will be the pope of the Catholic church. And if, if you ask any of my friends when I was a kid, I would tell them, I'm going to be the Pope. Okay? And they'd laugh at me and everything. I'd say, hey, listen, I'm a Sicilian. I'm a Paisan. I got a shot at this thing, and I'm going to be the Pope. Okay? So anyway, hang on. So Mary, in my tradition, was esteemed very highly. Mary, in my faith journey today, is esteemed very highly. Why? Because she was a woman of faith. Amen? She went through his death, his burial, his resurrection. She went through the sorrow. But she was also a tongue talker that got filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. Amen? And Mary had to go through the shame of pregnancy in a small little community between three and 400 people and, and say, the Holy Spirit came on me, and I'm now pregnant with this here child of God. How many know that's going to go over very well with your peers and your friends? So she went through the whole thing. So hang on. When the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 6, it says, He hath, past tense, accepted us, come on, in the beloved. And I'm reading that one day, and I'm saying, hey, hey, that's cool. God has accepted me in the household of it. So I knew that already because I got saved by, on the scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, where it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. So I understood that. I got a hold of that from a young age. But I still struggled with the rejection. Come on. And so I'm reading over there one day, God hath accepted me in the beloved. And I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to look up that word accepted. And I found out that word accepted is used in another place in the gospel of Luke chapter 2 where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, come on now, the mother of Jesus and the humanity, and she says this, she said, Mary, you are highly favored amongst women. Come on, church. And isn't it amazing the Bible says that she had no trouble with the angel. She had no trouble with the visitation. She had no trouble that Gabriel, the brilliant one, standing now in the presence of God, is now there in a room, and he said, Mary, you are highly favored amongst women. 
And listen very carefully. It said she was troubled at the saying of the angel. Read it all. You'll find it. Troubled not at the angel but at the saying of the angel because it said she was highly favored. And now listen carefully. Listen carefully. The word accepted is the same word highly favored. In other words, you, my friends, this morning are already highly favored of God. You're his favorite today. You're likable today. God has accepted you. He stamped you. He's put you in his family. And you're now righteous because of the cross. Amen. Here's the problem. I knew that from my young age when I got born again almost 50 years ago. But I still had struggle with it about this whole understanding of righteousness until that revelation actually came and it broke the lie of my pain from my personal history. Amen? A lot of people know it, but honestly, they don't believe it. And so today, before I even go further, and I'm going to just stop, if you've never received the gift of righteousness, it's not making Jesus Lord, but receive the gift of righteousness. The reigning comes when you receive the gift of righteousness. Read it in Romans 5, 17. The Bible says in the Amplified, you will reign as a king in this life. Amen? So if you're there, I want you to stand right now because we're going to pray right now that you're going to receive the gift of righteousness wherever you're at. Just, just come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I believe there's many, many in here because you're never going to, listen, strive again, but you're now going to awake to the righteousness that God's made on the inside of you. Good preaching. Thanks for the shouts. Amen. Everybody lift up your hands. Just say, Heavenly Father, open up my understanding this day to what you've made me on the inside. You said you've made me the righteousness of God in Christ. I break all the lies, all the deception, all the inferiority, all the condemnation, all the past failures, all the mistakes because of my identity. I break it, sever its cords from my life and receive the highly favored I am from God. I receive that I'm God's favorite not second place, not another, but the one God made me in Christ Jesus. Now today, put your hands on your eyes. I'm going to wake up. Say it again. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up to righteousness and sin not. Listen carefully. Go ahead and be seated. Your addiction doesn't define you. Your past doesn't define you. Your, your, your disappointments do not define you. Your failures do not define you. But the cross of the Son of God defines you as accepted, righteous, forgiven, and established in the household of faith. You can be seated. I'm almost ready to start. That's Bible. That's not my theology. That's God's understanding to every one of us. Amen? Now, hang on. Immediately after John preached, the affirmation came. Not because he earned it, but because of who he was. Then it tells you the tempter, 
and three of the four gospels came. I said, God, why didn't you bring this out in John's gospel? It's in the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, immediately afterwards, but not in John. And the Holy Ghost is very kind. He says, because John wrote of divinity. Divinity is not what struggles with sin in you. God lives in you. Come on now. And that part of God has no issue with righteousness. That part of God has no issue with sanctification. That part of God has no issue, listen, with the challenges of the flesh. But how many know Matthew does and Mark does and Luke does? So he wrote to the three. And immediately after the temptation, this is so important that you get this, immediately after the revelation and the affirmation came the tempter. Come on. I want to tell you something. As soon as you get an understanding, you're the child of God. As soon as you get an understanding, you're the offspring of God. As soon as you get an understanding that in your DNA, it's no longer from your mom or your dad. Your DNA is now blueprinted by God himself. And it said he made you in the very image and likeness of God. Come on. And I'm, I'm going to get there hopefully by the grace of God in about 10 minutes. All right? But, but you've got to understand this here, that as soon as you are at the first temptation that the Son of God had when he was here, is the devil came to him right after the affirmation. If you don't understand, these are patterns in life. We repent. We believe. Come on. And now we see the promise of God, right or wrong. But how many know from the time you see the promise to the time that promise is fulfilled, there's a challenge that goes on. And the Bible tells us that the Son of God was tempted. So if you're affirmed now, you can rest assured that the devil is there to challenge that affirmation in your life. And he put a question mark on the Son of God and said, if you be the Son of God, he was questioning his very identity. And I want to just state this. In 1994, there was a movie that came out. In 1994, they made six, $764 million. And it was the most successful movie of that year in 1994. And there was only one other movie that made more money than that, and that was Jurassic Park in 1993. So almost 30 years ago, they came out with a movie called The Lion King. Come on. And how many have ever seen The Lion King? Okay. I, I had my kids used to watch that movie over and over and over. They talk Kuma Matata. What are you talking about? Okay. And, and, and I used to get, so, so I finally saw The Lion King and understood. In The Lion King, there's a scene where we know Simba is blaming himself for Mufasa, who was the king's death. Come on. And we know that it was Sar, the one that took that identity, come on, and took the rightful place of the king. Okay, there's another whole message with that spiritually. But how many know when they let Barabbas go and they took the Son of God, the guilty one, what, was let go, and guess what? The innocent one paid the price. And Barabbas literally means the son of the father. It speaks about all those with the fallen nature under their father that John 8 says is the devil. Come on, church. But how many know the innocent one took the place of the guilty one, that we could be made righteous. Amen. So here's, my, here's a little Simba now, and he's struggling now with his identity. And Rafiki, how many remember that little, that little monkey guy? 
he comes running up and says, hey, 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 hey. And, and, and somebody goes, what, what, what do you want? He says, your father's not dead. Your father's still alive. And he says, what do you mean my father's still alive? And so they run through, and I'm pick, painting a picture. They're running through the jungle now. And, 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 and Simba's chasing Rafiki, and he's swinging through all these branches, and they come to this big brook. And he says, your father's alive. And he said, I don't see anything. I don't, I don't see anything. He said, no, really look. And he looked into the brook. And as soon as he looked into the brook, the father came up from the brook. Amen? There's so many parallels with God in here with that movie. I'm not going to develop it today because it will take me a whole day. But he looked in there, and all of a sudden he hears his voice. And this voice is Simba. Simba, and he's like freaking out, and he says, you have forgotten who you are. You are royalty. You are the rightful king. Sorry, is not. You are the rightful king, but you've forgotten who you are. The enemy stole his identity as he was because he always blamed himself for the father's death. Just like people in the room, you blame yourself for your parents' breakup. You blame yourself for the marital issue. And maybe you had a major part to play in it. But it's blame, 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 blame. Come on now. And what happened? He blamed himself. But he said, you are the rightful king. And guess what? From that day on, he rose up, went back and dethroned Sar and took back the throne. That's the battle that every one of us has now in our minds after we become the righteousness of God is our minds. You know, the Bible says, it uses the word Egypt, 611 references. And the word Egypt means confinement, the place of bondage, the place of locked in. And it says out of Egypt. It literally says it 411 of the 611 times, 411 says out of Egypt. Amen? The greatest challenge, Pastor Mike and Pastor Brian and Pastor Linda uh, the biggest challenge that all of you have, Pastor Adam, okay, Pastor Melissa, is getting Egyptian thinking out of us. Come on. And to change the way we think. Because I thought as a reject, come on now, for, for many years after I was born again. Because that was so inbred inside me. And by the way, my mother became a hero in my life. Kathy was with me at 82. She was dying. They put her in hospice. And, and I went there, and I saw her. She was skin and bones. And I had a hard time staying in the room because she was always a fighter. She was always just loud and just always right in your face. And, and I couldn't handle it, so I just went out in the hall. So Kathy stayed with her, and she comes out, and she wasn't happy with me. That's one of the times she didn't like me. Come on. And she says, you need to go and talk to your mother and tell her you love her. You need to go in there now. And I said, I'm having a hard time. She says, too bad, you need to go in there. Come on. How many know we need to face some things that we don't like, amen, because they're uncomfortable? God's Christianity is never meant to be fought in the comfort zones of life, but in the uncomfort zone. We're not, listen very carefully, in a comfort zone as Christians. We're in a combat zone that we entered into 2,000 years ago with a real enemy that's targeting you that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy your life, amen? So I remember going in to see Mama, and I went in the room, and she's just out of it. She's like all drugged up and everything else. And she grabs me. She wakes up, and she grabs me. And she says, Richard, I just want you to know that I'm not going to die in this here place, and I'm coming out of this place. And I'm like, okay, Mom, whatever. Come on. 
I got a shirt that says whatever, amen. And, 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 and so Kathy was there, and it's like, and then she goes right back out, and it's like, what was that all about? Two weeks later, my mama walked out of that hospital, lived another eight years, okay, from hospital, walked out of there. I'm not telling people to get off your medication, but she was on so many medications, she got off them, and I'm not telling you to do that, amen? But I'm telling you, my mama got off, and, and she was totally restored, totally back for another eight years, got dementia at the end, and the only one that she ever remembered was Kathy, not me, amen? Anyway, that's another whole story, okay? I think that was by choice, but we'll leave that for another time when we get the glory. She was a Christian. So mom became one of my heroes. I'm saying all that because, hang on, you need to understand some things of your identity. How many know you have the very nature now of God in you? What, what, what does that mean? Now, now, in the Bible, could you kindly put up 1 Peter chapter 2 in the New King James, if you can, uh, for time's sake, let's just go to verse number 9, if you can put that up on the board right now. The Bible teaches us something about your very identity that you have in Christ to the New Covenant Church. And it says you are a royal priesthood. Everybody say a royal priesthood. So guess what? You're not trying to become royal. You already have royalty in your DNA. You're royal. Uh, okay, but everybody say, come on, you're a chosen generation. Come on, a royal priesthood. Now hang on. Royalty is who you already are. If you understand protocol and you understand royalty, royalty means that there's subjects that you have. Come on. Because of your royalty. And the Bible says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to those that are heirs of salvation? How many know angels are subject to your commands? I'll say it again. Angels are subject unto your commands. And the, new the, the book of Psalms says that angels hearken to the voice of his word. When you speak forth God's word today, angels actually have the arsenal and the tools that they need to go and to bring that to pass in your life. Okay, why? Because you're royalty. And they have royal commands and you have royal authority in the spirit realm that many believers don't understand that you have. When royalty says... Be, uh, when royalty says, listen very carefully, I grant you favor, how many know you can't rescind what royalty has said? And when God says something, because royalty is behind it, and it was royal blood that was shed at the cross. It was royal blood that rose in from the dead. It was royal blood that was put in your DNA. And it was royal blood that caused you to get born again. And it was royalty in your very DNA of who you are in God now. Amen. So hang on. Keep it up there. So you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on. A holy nation. Come on. His own what? Why is it that we don't like ourselves? Why is it that when God says we are his own special people? Now, now just for the record, there were 16 times that the author of this book, Peter, failed. I got it all written out, a whole sermon on that. Peter messed up. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. He said, no, you're not. Come on. He said, I'm going to die. He said, no, you're not. He said, I got to wash your feet. No, you're not. Come on. I mean, this is Peter. And in one moment, he said, hey, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then two seconds later, the devil's talking through him. Sixteen times Peter messed up. Sixteen times Peter, in this epistle, he writes about, listen very carefully, he writes about the glory of God. 
Have you ever thought that suffering is the pathway to the glory of God? Come on, church. Oh, that went over so well. Listen carefully. I started off with your identity. I started off with the repentance. Then I started off with now the affirmation of God. But then listen, the tempter will come. And he will tempt, number one, the area of your identity. If you don't understand this, trials will come. Anxiety is going to come. Anguish is going to come. Listen very carefully. Lies are going to come. Accusations are going to come. Assaults against your mind. Assaults against your marriage. Assaults against your family. Assaults against your finances. Assaults against your very identity. They're going to come. If you don't understand that right after the affirmation, the tempter came, then he's already got you where he wants you to be. Because people will say, well, if God loved me, then why did all this happen for me? If you've ever said that, buy her book. And if the cross doesn't prove to you what he did for you, then you need to go back to the cross. Come on now. And so here's the thing. So, so the tempter comes. But here's how the believer now that is identified as royalty, and please keep that verse up because we're coming right back to it. i got to get to that and then wind down. This is what you need to understand. Please grab a hold of this here. That the more the devil tempts you, the more that the devil afflicts you, the more that the devil gives you trials, the more that the devil gives you heartaches, the greater the pain, the greater the victory on the other side of it. The apostle Paul said, a great open door is before me, and there are many adversaries. The adversaries that were there were as a confirmation that there was a great open door on the other side. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Good preaching. Thanks for your shouts. Now, here's what you got, here's what you got to get a hold. The more they afflicted the children of Israel, Exodus 1, 12, the more that they multiplied. Multiplication comes on the other side of the pressing of the grapes. It comes on the other side of the crushing of our lives. It comes on the other side of brokenness. Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes, but the multiplication never took place until he broke that piece. Come on now. And it's out of the brokenness of your life that is going to come the wholeness of your life. Because the broken areas is the old man that God wants to release you into the new man. Amen? So now i got to go. i got to get started here. Are we all ready? Okay. So everybody say, number one, repent. Repent. John the Baptist. Come on. Number two is what? Number two, receive the affirmation. Believe the affirmation. Repent, believe, and receive. Amen? Number three is the tempter comes, the trials come, the anxiety comes. Are we doing okay? But here's what you need to know. And four out of four of the Gospels. Here's what you need to know and never forget. Four out of four says, as soon as the tempter left, come on now, Jesus resisted him. The strength of your marriage, the strength of your mind, the strength of your feelings, the strength of your pastor, the strength of your church, the strength of your family will be by the ability that you have and rising up to resist the opposing forces that come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Okay, now, hang on. Read it in John 2. Right after, this is my beloved son. Read it. And then you'll see this beginning of miracles. Read it over in Matthew. 
Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Read it over in Mark. They brought out all the sick, and he healed and delivered them. Read it in Luke chapter 3. Go into Luke chapter 4, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he hath anointed me. Come on now. What did he anoint you for? To heal the brokenhearted. Are you all with me right now? And so here's the thing. So number one, it's repent. Number two, it's your affirmation of who you are. Number three is understand the trials, understand the difficulty. That's why it says in the Bible, many, not a few, are the afflictions, the testings, the trials of the righteous ones. Come on. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Your focus is not to be on the trials, but your focus to be on, okay, God, you said you delivered me out of them all, and I'm looking for your deliverance now. Amen? My son, Brian Shimatero, is pastoring a church called Inspiration 9. And Kathy says about four months back, five months back, in the service, one of the members fell over dead. Nurse comes by, takes in the guy's dead. They called the ambulance right away, the uh, 911. The saints got around, knocked, make a long story short, the guy rose from the dead in the service. And he was dead for minutes. Come on now. And life came back into him. My granddaughter, Clea, and her sister, Claire, were leading worship at a POC church in Windsor where the daddy works there. And just this week, not from last year, just this week, a, a, a person that came in to the service got healed as they came into the presence of God in worship time. Can you say amen? A week ago, two weeks ago, Kathy and I were in Port Perry, and we're ministering, and I'm doing a call now for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and, and I just said, come on down, we're going to lay our hands on you, according to Acts 8, and we're going to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. The people started coming down, and they're praying in tongues as they came down. Come on now. God is up to another level of miracles in your life. My cousin Shelly, Kathy could tell you, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Well, bless God, we went, we anointed her with all, commanded the prayer of faith, commanded that spirit of infirmity out. Guess what? She went through treatment. She went through things. They gave her no hope, but she came back today completely healed, completely restored, completely on track with God. I'm not talking about miracles of the past, but I'm talking about miracles of the present. Are you there? So here now i got to start. Back to first Peter. Is anybody learning anything? See, sir, ma'am, if you have an understanding of what's already in you, you wouldn't pray stupid prayers. What do you mean by that? I just got your attention when I said that. We pray future tense for things that God said are already past tense. Let me give you an example. We sing songs. We beg God, send your glory, God. Send your glory. Why are we praying, send your glory, when God says, the glory which I have, Jesus, I've given to them that they may be one. So if he's given it to us, then why are we asking him for it now? Because we don't believe the word. Second, Second Corinthians tells us in chapter 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You're a treasure chest for God. The treasure means you are God's depository box. It's the place where valuables are deposited. The glory is already in you. 
Can you say amen? amen? Where's that in the Bible? Well, listen, arise and shine, for your light is come. And the glory of the Lord, come on, is. Wait a minute, would you just say? Risen. So risen, it can't rise if it's not in you. So if it's coming down, we didn't say the glory of the Lord is descending upon you. It's risen upon you. Now, when does the glory rise? I'm so glad you asked. We're seeing corruption everywhere. Come on. I share with pastors Mike and Linda, the word Hamas is the same word. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Come on. And it says violence, the word violence. The word violence is literally, you can look it up, it's the word Hamas. And it speaks of cruelty and evil works and deeds. Come on. It's right in your Bible, Strong's Dictionary. Look up the word, you can find it yourself. Amen? So I'm saying all that because my friend Mark, he goes to the Buick dealership to get a starter for his wife's car so that during the winter time, she can have the car heated up. So he goes to the Buick dealership and he pulls out the key fob and he says, here's the Here's the key. I want to start. I want to buy a starter. So the manager looks at him and says, Mark, he says, why are you trying to, why do you want me to put a starter in? Mark, you already have a starter. He says, what do you mean I already have a starter? He pulled the key fob, and there was a button there that was already in the key fob that all he had to do was touch it, and it started the car. Come on. And God showed me, he said, Rick, he said, that's exactly what it is. The church doesn't even know what they have. And they're taught what they have, and they have a struggle believing it because by repetition, they've been told they're no good. By repetition, they've been said you're a failure. By repetition. Isn't it amazing? Peter screwed up 16 times, the word glory 16 times, and then in Acts chapter 5, it says the shadow of Peter went by and healed the sick. Hang on. Are you ready for this one? Are you ready? The last place in the Gospels that he denied was by the firelight. And the woman recognized him by the firelight, from the shadow, from the fire. Come on. A firelight means it's dark outside. So there's a shadow. And she saw this here firelight shadow and, and, and said, that you're one of them. You're one of them. He said, no, 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 no. No, I'm not. He said, no, you're one of them. Come on. Isn't it amazing that it wasn't the hands of Peter that healed the sick, but it was the shadow of Peter that healed the sick because he was a testimony of his past was now under the blood and his future was now under the shadow of the Most High God. i got to start with one more thing because my time is running down. Look at that First Peter 5. Everybody stand up. Oh my, anybody learning anything? I didn't get a chance to teach this today. But the other four places where this is my beloved son was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I want to tell you, you'll never be transformed in your mind until you come to the Mount of God in prayer. And when the Son of God went there, it was the release now of the Moses who as a miracle worker in his day of judgments and plagues and we saw the miracle-working power of Elijah that are the two witnesses that will come back, come on now, to die before the Son of God comes back for the church. Amen? That went over so well. Are you ready? For you are, everybody say that with me. Go ahead. Come on. You are a, come on, a royal. 
Okay, okay. Hang on. The word praises, when we think of that in the 21st century church, we think of worship. Beautiful praise today. Beautiful. Mike, I'm glad you labored today because the anointing is so thick in here right now. And I don't just use that as a cliche. It's thick in here. When we started hitting, I exalt you. See, when the worship's about him, the presence of God wants to fall. Come on. The presence of God wants to break. I shouldn't say fall. Wants to break out in us. Come on. And, and so here, the word praises is nothing to do with the worship team. It's nothing to do with guitars. It's nothing to do with keyboards. It's nothing to do with the singers. Nothing to do with the choir. The word praises that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light literally means, are you ready? The glorious attributes of God. Did you hear what I just said? The glorious attributes of God. Until you understand the identity of who you really are in God and what he's already deposited in you, you will never be able to unpack the praises, the glorious attributes of God. This is what you need to understand. God is love, not becoming love. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God. Why, Why does he say that? Because love is an attribute of God. Quickly, God is merciful who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not been uh, or uh, obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Come on. Already done. Come on, church. God is faithful. Revelation 17, 14. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. Come on. Kicking devil butt. The overcoming nature. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are what? They're called. They're chosen. And they're faithful. The attribute of God. Faithfulness. What's the requirement of a steward today? That a man be found faithful. Good preaching. It's the attributes of God. You can only be faithful because he's faithful in you. You can only love because he's love in you. You can only give mercy because he's merciful. We have this treasure, an earthen vessel. It's the glory of God. Attributes. God's compassion. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the intended end by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Peter says this, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. I'm telling you, the attributes of God are in the inside of you. And let me just go a little bit further. The Bible says there's privileges that the firstborn has that no other has. And Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. Come on now. So there's a status that he has that we can never attain to, never equal, never deserve. But never forget that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Literally, we are equal heirs with Jesus. And the last thing I got to share, and I'm not concerned that people get upset with me. I'm not concerned, but please check it out. And the Word of God, John says, to whom sins you forgive, I've forgiven. 
and whom sins you retain, I will retain. You have the power to bind a soul up through bitterness and unforgiveness. But you have the power to loose the soul through the forgiveness of the cross of the blood of the Son of God. They said only God has power to forgive sins. And it's God's attribute now inside of you that gives you the ability to forgive. Don't ever let anybody look down upon you. Don't ever see yourself as second rate. Don't ever see yourself as inferior. Don't ever see yourself as a loser. Don't ever see yourself in your past failures and mistakes and shortcomings. But see yourself as the offspring of the living God that lives inside.